So we, Memorial Day, we do remember those who have gone before us, especially those who have served in the military and given of their lives so that we could have freedom. And so it is good for us to remember. So let's, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we pause to reflect on our blessings as a nation and the cost of those blessings. And Lord, we offer prayers of thanks and intercession. We thank you for the freedoms we enjoy in this country, for opportunities to flourish, and for the security of our land. Lord, thank you for those who have served in the armed forces of our country, risking their lives for our liberty. And for those who have given their lives for our freedom, we give you praise and thank you. And we remember those, as we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms, we enjoy this very day. We think of how they have followed in the footsteps of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please hold our servicemen and women in your strong arms. Cover them with your sheltering grace and your presence so they stand in the gap for our protection. We also remember the families of our troops. We ask for your unique blessings to fill their homes. We pray that your peace, provision, strength would fill their lives. And may the members of our armed forces be supplied with the courage to face each day. And may they trust in the Lord's almighty power to accomplish each task. Let our military sisters and brothers feel our love and support. And Lord, may we be aware of how you have blessed us as a nation. And may we be more grateful of our blessings, more faithful in stewarding them, and more eager to share them with others. And Lord, we know that ultimate peace will not come until your kingdom is here in all its fullness. We ask for the growth of peace in our world today, which we desperately need, so that fewer men and women would have to risk their lives for freedom. And we long for the day when they will beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning forks, and nations will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn more war anymore. So, Father, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who gave his life for us. We pray this through him. Amen. Well, we're going to start a new series looking at some parables in these weeks of, of the summer and looking at the stories of Jesus' parables. And we're going to start off by, by considering what, what is a parable and why stories. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. Read a couple verses for us, 1 through 2, and then 10 through 12. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, and then 10 through 12. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat out on it in the lake. While the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. Then down to verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. May the Lord add his insight and blessing to his word. Most people like good stories. Who, who likes to hear stories and a good storyteller? Most of us do. Good stories. Stories about different experiences, humorous stories, stories that enlighten. William Barclay said this, there are certain stories that are not so much the heritage of the scholar and the material of the theologian as the possession of everyone. And such are the stories of the parables of Jesus. Even in this age when people know less and less of the Bible, 
and care less for it. It remains true that the stories of Jesus are some of the most well-known stories in our world. Stories were extremely valuable in Jesus' instruction kit. He could take the ordinary and make it shout and sing, teaching the valuable truth along the way. Jesus was a master storyteller. You know, I mean, he was one who could take a story and just drive home the point. But good storytelling is actually harder than it might first appear because stories that are really effective engage, causing us to remember and often impact our lives. Jesus' approach to storytelling was a little different than some other great storytellers. And when we study the scriptures, we find Jesus teaches through oral tradition. You know, Jesus never wrote a textbook or a bestseller, did he? You know, if you go to the Amazon bookstore or Barnes & Noble or a bookstore, you don't see the, the story according to Jesus. You know, we don't have that. What we have is what Jesus said orally, written down later by his disciples. But to every seminary student, it's always been a thing, oh, why didn't they write a, a textbook so we could read the textbook and then answer the theological questions on the seminary exam? But Jesus didn't do it that way. He told us stories that we have written down and remember. Here's a common approach our stories, stories that would come alive, and stories that not only came alive, but often changed the world. Mark here in his gospel, in the fourth chapter, instructs us that Jesus reasoning behind his story using parables. And what we find Jesus saying is, is truly remarkable. Jesus uses stories in a couple ways to build up the faithful. For us who are followers of Jesus Christ, he wants to build us up and encourage us in the faith. But at the same time, he uses these stories to show those who are resistant, those who choose not to believe, those who aren't faithful are exposed through Jesus' stories. And so Jesus is using these stories in multiple ways to communicate his truth to the, his, about his kingdom to his people and to us. And Jesus uses the parables to bring the word of God, the mystery of the ages, the plan of God for his people to, to the people here in the first century as well as to us so that we can see, understand, be challenged by, and sometimes shocked. Yeah, sometimes the parables shock us. Stories of Jesus and what they mean today. And so as we study this in the weeks of the next couple months, we start with Mark chapter 4. And verse 10 through 12 is at the heart of Jesus' teaching method. Look at what he says. When he was alone, the, the 12 and the others around him, and he asked about the parables, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may ever be seen, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. As we consider the parables, we want to see first that the parables are revelation. The parables of Jesus. The revelation, they're God's truth for us. What God has what known, what he put into place, what he created. He's sharing with us, and we see that revelation within the parables. Later on in chapter 4 and 33 and 34, we see this, what Jesus says in Mark. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, the word of God, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. 
to the crowds and to the masses. He spoke practically always using parables. And we see here further on in Matthew 13, 34, and 35, quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, a similar thing. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without parables. So what was fulfilled was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus' method of teaching here is the message was using what we call parables, stories. That's how Jesus communicated with the large groups. He used parables, stories, to engage them. Jesus, being a master storyteller, could use these well to communicate God's truth. But he didn't do it just to entertain people, to sell some books, to get attention. Jesus is doing this to encourage, to build up, and to call out. There's some certainly great storytellers in our world. Garrison Keillor, uh, Max Licato, very com- some of the comedians are tremendous storytellers. Those who write movies or plays can be tremendous storytellers. But Jesus uses these to much more than entertain. For entertainment is not really at the heart of it. What's at the heart of Jesus' stories is to teach us, to instruct us, and point people to the kingdom of God. Because these use the stories... Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God. Most of the parables say the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of God is, to help people understand his kingdom. For Jesus is the king. Jesus is God's king, the king that was promised in the Old Testament, that the Old Testament prophets spoke about and pointed to. Jesus is that anointed one, the Messiah, who has come to bring God's kingdom to earth. What all Israel was looking for, what they anticipated, what they desired. Here Jesus, the king, is ushering it in. And he uses these stories to usher in the understanding of the kingdom. And so the stories point to the kingdom of God. They also show people grace, God's love, God's grace, his compassion, his mercy. How God cares about his creation and cares about each and every one. And so these stories reveal, show, and point to God's grace, as well as they warn people about the coming judgment. For they're stories of the kingdom with grace and judgment. And it's interesting. People often talk about Jesus as a Jesus. He speaks love, which he does. But they often leave out the fact that Jesus speaks a lot about judgment. Jesus speaks about hell. Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, and for the kingdom is for those who receive it. And sadly, those who reject it will find judgment. And the parables speak of that, that which has been true throughout the Old Testament, the prophets, the writings. Now we see it's in the parables in the New Testament as well. The twin themes of God's kingdom is coming. There will be grace, salvation, but there's also judgment for those who reject and refuse and resist to warn people about coming judgment for those who reject. And within God's revelation of us, in these parables, in these stories, often it's about kingdom, grace, and judgment. They're the kind of foundation for these stories that Jesus shares. Jesus comes teaching. What do we see when Jesus came? Mark says, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd gathered around him. And what happened? He taught them many things by parables. When the crowds were gathered, Jesus would what? He would share with them parables. The crowds were getting larger around Jesus because the word was getting out. 
He was not your typical teacher or rabbi. He was someone who spoke in a matter like he had authority. And Jesus then backed it up with not only his words, but with miraculous healings. We touch people and bring healing to the crowd. And so what happened is people heard about him and gathered around. And so we have them gather around, and Jesus would often go out in a boat because the crowds were so large. He'd go out in the boat and then share with them. And Jesus' disciples had, had this boat because they were fishermen along the Sea of Galilee. Can you imagine? Kind of along Lake Pepin there. And, and here's Sunday morning, Jesus is speaking. And the crowds, we gather along the shore and Jesus puts out in the boat and we listen to him sharing God's truth, words about the kingdom and about God's grace for those who would receive it. And using the water as the conduit, he spoke to the people using these parables. You can imagine that setting but what exactly is a parable? What is a parable? It literally means a throwing alongside, an earthly story with heavenly meaning, but an analogy comparison where Jesus picks things from our lives, from the daily lives that we experience, especially those who lived in his day. Jesus would pick things and use them, which people understood and knew, to illustrate a truth about God's kingdom, about the kingdom that was coming. And in what we have is Jesus using this. So metaphors, comparisons, analogies, so that we can see it. And within the parables, this is often how Jesus does it. And in scriptures, we have a bit of Jesus' teaching. Everything Jesus says isn't contained in the scriptures, but a summary, the highlights of what Jesus taught are here for us. And one of the parts he often used, as we mentioned already, but we'll see more in some of the parables, the shock value with the images and comparisons that Jesus used. One of the many examples, the shock value of the stories to get us to think, to understand what he's talking about. What are some of the images that Jesus uses? Well, Jesus uses farming. He uses shepherding, fishing, vine tending, the occupation of the people to illustrate what's going on. And in the scripture, depending on how you count, there's 40 or 50 different parables in the scriptures, depending on, you know, different ways that people count in that. But within it, there's stories about God, about his, his truth. It's God's revelation to us through these parables. Jesus' stories reveal, remake us, while our stories regale and relax. But Jesus has a purpose to reveal truth, revelation, and to remake us. And that's where parables of revelation, parables about God's reign. He uses these stories to help us understand God's reign, God's kingdom that is to come. For the content of Jesus' teaching was the reign of God, his kingdom, his kingdom coming. It's where Jesus started. When Jesus first preached, Mark, the very first words, after John the Baptist was put into prison. Look what he says. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. The very first words we recorded in the gospel of Mark are the kingdom of God is near. Repent and receive, believe the good news. That's that death and resurrection of, of the kingdom of the Jews is where the gospels end. That's the beginning of the kingdom of God. For the death was necessary for the kingdom to be fully realized. God's reign, or the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew says, their same concept, is what the stories are looking for. Because they're talking about that eternal state, that future state of dwelling with God of perfection. What we look forward to and what we long for. 
What the Jews longed for, Jesus explains, it won't experience here on this earth, but it will be in the next life, in eternity, the kingdom of God. Israel's hope and their longing is the same as what Jesus revealed and we have longing for. The psalmist often talked about the parables that reveal the king and his kingdom. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. The psalmist says, wait for the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. We have to be people who live with, in light of it because it's the kingdom. We wait, we're strong because we know God's in charge and he's coming. That longing and hoping for the kingdom. We live in that too. You know, in the world, the troubles, the struggles we have now, sometimes, don't you say, oh Lord, <laughs> we want you to come back. We want you to come back so we can live into your fullness. But we are those who wait. Wait patiently. Waiting doesn't mean sitting on our hands. It means trusting God, living actively, but hoping in the Lord and trusting his timing. You know, in these parables, the question of identity, of who Jesus is, becomes very important. For us to understand that Jesus is not just a good teacher, but he is the very, as we said, Messiah, the King who is coming. And he's the one who will reign as God's King. The Gospel of John says this, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The people saw what Jesus did, and they said, let's make him king. But Jesus' time was not then. He is king, but his king reign is still future. And so he withdrew so they wouldn't make him king at that time because his reign is still to come. His time in the establishment of his kingdom was different than theirs, or we could say ours. We all learn that God's timing is different than ours when we pray, don't we? We pray, Lord, we need you. And God sometimes says, yeah, I know. But my answer is forthcoming, not today. Because God has a grander, broader view than we fully realize in our lives. The same is true of the kingdom of God. What the Jews wanted, God said not yet. For the kingdom of God has a now, it exists now, it's been inaugurated, but it won't be fully consummated or completed until Jesus comes again. So we live in the now, but not yet aspect of the kingdom. The kingdom exists, but there's still a part of fullness that we long for. So the now and not yet. It's inaugurated, but we await its consummation. And in Mark, so many of his parables speak of this. Jesus teaches about God's reign, his kingdom, and the kingdom that will come. Stories that help us understand. So he says the kingdom of God is like, so that we get the picture, the understanding of his kingdom. For our life, what we love, our situation, our families, we love what is good and we enjoy the freedoms and the blessings of our nation while we live in a world of trouble. We see the hurts, the poverty, we see corruption and graft. We see injustice and violence, and we see that here and around the world. We see illness and death and sickness. The reality is none of that will cease until God's kingdom fully comes, which is part of the reason we long for it. We want God's kingdom to come. The kingdom of God is alone where this will take place. And through the parables, Jesus reveals this. When Jesus fully reigns as king, then perfection can come. And until that time, we live in the now, but not yet. The kingdoms speak of God's reign. 
Do we live the kingdom life? Are we thinking about God's kingdom and live into what God says he wants for us? So the parable says revelation, the parables about God's reign. But then also there's something surprising. The parables bring confusion. (laughs) Why would you teach bringing confusion? And yet, as it gets head-scratching, that's exactly what he says. The parables can bring confusion. Look at verse 10 and 12, verse 12. So that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And in this, we see Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. Where Isaiah spoke this, where the revelation of God. Isaiah was a prophet who came to a people who, as a nation, were rebelling from God. And leaders that didn't have hearts for God. And Isaiah came proclaiming God's truth. And God says, I don't want people who who reject me, who live their own way. I'm not here to call them. I'm here to call those who are open to me. So Jesus is telling stories where people get confused. And at that point we say, well, I thought stories were supposed to give understanding, not confusion. Well, they do bring understanding, but Jesus is calling out people through the stories he tells. He's laying down the truth of the kingdom, but he's doing it in a manner that enables him to live and move and work among the people. Can you imagine what might have happened if Jesus came and just said plainly, straightly, what was going to take place? How would the leaders react in in Jerusalem, in Rome? I don't think he would have got three, four, five months of teaching in. They would have come after him and shut him down. But Jesus, in speaking through the parables and the way that he went about this, he had three-plus years where he taught and lived before... He was, uh, you know, gathered to the cross and put to death for us. And I think Jesus uses these parables to communicate his truth and understanding and was able to do this over time. And God, doesn't God want people to be turned and be healed? Yes, he does. But if those reject God, if they refuse him, he allows people to do that. And so thus there's confusion to those who have hard hearts and are not willing to listen to him. That's what Isaiah is talking about in his commissioning and sending me. He says that the people who are not following him won't understand, and so there's confusion. And Jesus finds himself in the same similar position as Isaiah, with the faithful seekers of God who will receive it, while the leaders have sold out their trust and obedience for power and fame. You know, sadly, when you see the church, what's going on in the larger church, whether what the Southern Baptists are reckoning now, what different groups have, what we've seen with uh, the Lutheran church in Germany during World War II, what we see in the Orthodox, Russian Orthodox church now with Putin, and how people within the church often buy into the lies of the evil one rather than speaking the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this was true with the leaders in Jerusalem. And so Jesus needs to work within the context that he is for a time and with these leaders and speaking against them. And so often it's these parables and it took them a while to understand. So there's confusion so that those whose hearts are not right with God, who have no interest in God, they're on their own way. Well, those who are open to God hear and are changed. Never perceiving, never perceiving. Their hearts are calloused and their ears dull and their eyes are closed. Otherwise, they might see 
and turn and be healed. Jesus, who said, is in that similar position as the prophet Isaiah, speaking in that. The chief priests in Mark 12, 12, the teachers of the law, looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they're afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Through these parables, Jesus was able to navigate for a time, to, to communicate and do what God the Father wanted him to do in that time. So Jesus speaks in these parables, and one of the aspects of these parables is they bring confusion. They hear, but they don't accept. Their hearts are in rebellion from God. Parables are Jesus is calling them out. And in that sense, there's confusion. Because if we don't open our hearts and receive the word of truth, we'll be confused by, these, by this message. We have to be those who are open to the truth, even if it's a hard message. Allow God's truth, his word, to change us. So if you don't accept or understand the mistakes you're making, it's because you're hard-hearted to God. The teachings of Jesus is confusion to those who are bent upon evil. Confusion to the hard-hearted, but praise God to those who are open to Christ, who want to receive his word and truth. Parables bring clarity. They bring confusion to some, but they bring clarity to, for us who believe. For us who are open to God's truth, the point is, in parables, are we open to hearing the truth of God's? As Isaiah's message was received by those who were following God, so Jesus' message is received by those who are open to him. What does Jesus say about clarity? Verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, to his followers, to those open to Christ. The parables help us understand God's secret. What was not known in the first covenant revelation now has been revealed to us in the new covenant the new testament through christ's blood the key point as i said is openness to the truth of god and if we're open to it it's clarity for us parables then will build us up as they're intended to teach and build up the faithful to clarify to strengthen to encourage you to challenge us as well so that we can live fully in god's kingdom how does god build us us by shaking, shocking, stunning, and opening our eyes, revealing God's truth through these stories for us. From the Good Samaritan to the cost of discipleship, the teaching of Jesus opens our hearts as we open our lives to him. One commentator stated it this way, to illustrate a viewpoint in an artistic and educational way, clarity, to keep its message from being immediately clear to all its hearers without further reflection. In other words, if you don't reflect, if you don't think, if you don't meditate on, on it, you'll be confused by the message. But to win over the listeners to believe and then act in his way, kingdom living. For those who reflect, who think, are open to it, clarity, it will help us live into kingdom living. The question then for us is, are we willing to yield our lives before the word of God? Are we willing to listen, be confronted with sin and, and failure in our lives? and allow God's word, his truth, to change us and to shape and form us into his way and avenue. For he's given us the secret, eternal truths of God's forever plan. There's really only two options. Seeing but never perceiving, hearing the message of Jesus, but rejecting the truth of the kingdom. Or hearing and understanding, listening to Jesus and taking his words to heart. Those are the two options. Will you and will I be people who listen and receive? Jesus' message about the kingdom 
If we do listen, grace, mercy, God's wisdom will be ours. If we take time and be open to the truth. But if we don't listen, we'll be confused and be lost by these stories of Jesus' truth. There was, in the hills off the Mississippi River, there was an eagle's nest. And the eagle's nest, there were three eggs in that nest. And somehow in the, all of it, one of those eagle eggs fell out of the nest and fell a long ways, you know, the, often up high in a big oak tree or something. But it hit some pine branches and leaves the way and cushions of blow, then hit the ground and rolled all the way down the hill into the valley. And it rolled into an area which chickens were living. And so the chickens saw this egg and kind of pushed it over with the other eggs. And, okay, we're going to take care of this egg. And so the, the eagle was hatched alongside these chickens. And so you had this eagle and these chickens. But the eagle was raised as a chicken. And so the eagle thinks he's a chicken. You know, a little bigger, a little different, but he's a chicken. Until one day, the eagle saw other eagles soaring in the sky. And he was stunned by it. And in his spirit, he wanted to go soar. He could just feel it. I need to get up there and soar. And the chickens were laughing. <laughs> what do you mean soar? You're a chicken. Chickens don't soar. What are you thinking? You stay down here and peck the ground with us. But the eagle wanted to soar. In other words, the eagle wanted to become what God made him to be. To soar in the sky what an eagle was designed and built to do. Not to stay on the ground with the chickens. And within that, those who listen to the word of God, who listen to the stories, who respond to God's truth, who open their hearts to it, they're like an eagle who doesn't stay with the chickens, but soars in the sky and becomes all that God made him to be. But those who listen to the world, who don't believe God or his truth, who buy into the, the lies of the evil one, are like the chickens who just stay in their pen and just an eagle who doesn't become what God made him to be. Who are you going to be this day? Are you going to be that eagle that lives out who God made you to be or be like those chickens just staying in the pen? God wants you to be an eagle soaring. And the way we do it is opening our hearts to the truth of God through these stories and allow that word to guide, shape, and form our lives into his glory so we can soar like the eagles in Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for parables. We thank you for these stories of Christ. Lord, may we be a people, a congregation, that opens our heart to your kingdom's teaching so that we receive grace and mercy in our days of need. May we never be like those leaders who, who are hard-hearted and thus are confused by what you're saying. But Lord, embody us through your spirit. Fill us so that we live out our purpose, receiving your truth and living into it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.